Hey, what's up? It's Avery here. Well, I guess who else would it be? It is my own show. <laughs> you see, my show is on platforms like iTunes and Spotify, and you may wonder, how do I get my show on these platforms? Well, I do it through an app called Anchor. It's free to download, and you can use it on your phone or on your laptop. And it also comes with creation tools that let you edit your show. You can also make that sweet moolah with your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, want to get started? Download the Anchor app on the Google Play Store or Apple's App Store. Or go to anchor.fm. It's that easy. Hey y'all, Avery here. For Black History Month, I want to have on members from the Third Intermission Podcast. An entirely black hockey podcast run of Toronto. It was a fun chat among four black voices in the hockey world. So sit back, relax, as we get into important issues in the game, a lot of laughs, some Edmonton and Toronto banter, and so much more. The language did get a little blue, so I do want to say listener discretion is advised. Yo, 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 what is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to Avery Sports Show, a very special edition of Avery Sports Show here in February in Black History Month. And you know, if you listen to my show, you see my Twitter feed, you know I went on a podcast recently with four dudes, three of them on the show today, from one of the newest sports podcasts in Toronto. It is a black-centric hockey podcast. It's one of the funniest ones I've heard among a hockey podcast. You know, we got into a lot of topics on black culture, Oilers, Leafs. So, from the third intermission podcast, I want to welcome onto the show Darren, Dave, and Reese. How's it going? What's yo, good? Yo. What's, what's today's date? Wednesday? Happy Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, what's happy good, Wednesday. man. What's good? Feels like a Monday, bro. Glad to be <laughs> on the show. Feels like a Monday, but good to be here. <laughs> Yeah, this is the silver lining of a, a shitty, cold, snowy week. Excuse my language, Avery. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, with getting warmer in this country, like getting warmer in Canada, we're getting out of the snow. Alberta, we are in the polar vortex, which is where Alberta was in this, this bed of minus 25 or colder. So I'll tell you guys, it builds up character waking up in the morning. And so, basically, so, so it's basically a Tuesday in Alberta, then, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, yeah. No, no. It's a Tuesday night, eh? no, That's a lie right there, Darren. No, 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 we don't usually let's, get let's that give cold. you a bit of context cold, here. Dave, but it's not cold. I was going to say, let's give you a bit of context here. <laughs> well, because, context, like, what context do you want? Like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let, let's break it down for a second, because, like, Darren and I live in Ontario, and of course, most of you out there in Alberta call call yeah. us unterrible, yeah. which is not true. We ain't that terrible. Y'all just <laughs> y'all just don't, y'all just don't like the that fact one. that like that's you. A, that's wow. a new one. Neither am I. Uh, that's pretty good. Trust me. Like like <laughs> from from personal experience, I've been out in Alberta, and like people in Alberta hate Ontario. Mm. And, like, most people yeah. from, like, northern Ontario hate southern Ontario. Most people from southern Ontario hate Toronto. And it's like, yo, what did we do? Like, apparently, we're supposedly the center of the universe. Yo, and it's they're like, just, yo, they're just peanut butter and jealous, fam. Exactly. Yeah, you guys don't feel real Canadian right now, real patriotic. A lot of hate to the other provinces. Yeah, wow. No, no, no. We'll Canadian, trash each other. Hatred, bro. 
<laughs> Yo, we'll trash each other, but then when it comes to like say nonsense from say south of the border where Reese is, right? I'm and, Canadian, uh, I agree. But apparently, people from the states can't. <laughs> Yo! Check, please. Yo, Dave. <laughs> Sorry, Avery. Waiter. Sorry, Waiter. That, Avery, that was a long intro. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Wow. You know, you know. Out you know, of pocket. That's a bold What are they doing in Hollywood? Right and cut. That's a, that's a and bold cut. Right there. That's the gold. Those are those are one of the moments where the director's like, "Why'd you go off script there? Just re- read your lines." Read your lines, man. On the paper. <laughs> and if you want to subscribe to our OnlyFans, Reese is on there. He's Somali boy sixty nine. Avery, Avery, go ahead, go ahead, bro. Avery, oh, oh my god! I've listened to your show. Oh, it's it's never gone this direction. Five minutes in, we the rails the first. I mean, we got rails before my show, but not like this. Not to this level where there's OnlyFans jokes and some point four sixty nine comments coming through. <laughs> That's a first. That's a first. So hello, stage back, you know. Oh, you had your god. podcast also. There's a fourth in your show. Uh, you have a fourth co-host, Jordan Hales, on your show also. You three here today. It's a blast. Shout out, Sticks. Yes, Mr. Sticks yeah. on Twitter. It's a blast having him on. And, you know, listen, I got first things first, guys. After all the shenanigans we just went through two seconds ago, I got to ask you guys. I'll, I'll start with Darren, go to Dave, then go to Reese. I got to ask you boys here. What was your first hockey memory? It could be NHL. It could be playing. It could be in the back. What was your first hockey memory? How were you guys fell in love with the game first hockey memory was probably like those early 90s Leafs runs um as you as everybody knows the Leafs were famously bad in every aspect of badness you can be in the 80s (laughs) so coming up uh in the early 90s it was a big uh it was refreshing to see like the new regime with like Cliff Fletcher and Pat Burns come in and uh and, and and change and change the course of the team so guys like Doug Gilmore and Grant Fiore, and I'm sure you know Grant Fiore really, really well. Um, and then oh. Grant Fiore gave way for Felix Potvin and Dave Andrew Chuck and Wendell Clark. So those are those are the times that 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 I really, really, really fell in love with the game. And of course, Wayne Gretzky had to break my heart. And I actually told him that mm-hmm. uh, when I met him, I said, "He brought." I'm still I'm still yeah. upset about 1993 uh, Western Conference Finals, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was around the early 90s when I really fell in love with the game. And then and then you know uh, the European I, would, I don't want to call it an invasion, but the in, the influx of, of European, specifically Russian players, and they played a completely different style that was different from Canadian and American players. Actually, my favorite player of all time is Pavel Bure. My favorite Leaf player of all time is Matt Sundy, but my favorite hockey player of all time is Pavel Bure. So those those the Leafs being really good in the early 90s and the influx of Russian superstars in, in, in at the, around the same time is what really made me fall in love with the game. Nice. What about you, Dave? Uh, for, for me, uh, it's there's a lot of memories to like literally look back on. I'd say the first one that really sticks out to me would be like um, I was watching just I was randomly watching TV, and of course, like I'm like five, six years old, right? So like here I am, like flipping through channels like it's nobody's business, and then of course I happen to fall on the Leafs who are losing to the the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, like and like the Canucks of like say the early the early nineties say from like ninety to about ninety five ninety six, 
Like they were a dangerous team back then. So of course, 1994, I'm watching I'm watching the Leaf them get beat up by by the Canucks, right? Of course, with like uh, McLean in net, and of course the aforementioned Pavel Bury, like literally sniping sniping goals like it's nobody's business, just shooting cans in somebody's backyard, and like I think that was like my first moment of like literally getting into hockey because it was like every Saturday night from that point forward, it was always like okay, I can't wait to watch Hockey Night in Canada. And, of course, like, coming from, like, a rough neighborhood, shout out to Flemington Park, um, playing street hockey was a big thing for me growing up, too. And, of course, I can thank my bad hips to bad hips to goaltending now because, like, you know, now I have, like, bare hip problems left, right, and center. But that's a different story. Um, <laughs> but, but, Bro, but, like, you sure yeah, you're not like, an old man? Really st- <laughs> I'm like 33. Calm down. How old? Yo, Dave, I'm gonna. Need, I need to see some ID, bro. I'm older than about you. Your hip, like, older than you. Thirty-year career in the NHL. Just <laughs> Chris Yo, Osgood. He's no, in all honesty, like, in all honesty, like, I never stretched before games, so like, it it always caused me problems. Yeah. It always causes me problems. So it's like I never, never really realized, like, okay, yeah. oh crap, I'm supposed right. to stretch. Like I never stretch before games. That's why, like, yo, know, it's I not too late tight, to start it now. Like, tight hip flexors, like playing. Well, yeah, I've got to fix that still. But anyways, uh, let's get back on topic here before I get roasted any any harder right now. Um, of and course, oh, watching the Leafs on like <laughs> watching the Leafs on like sat- a hockey night in Canada was like a massive staple. Especially for like kids growing up in my my neighborhood and everything, like of course like random black kids and of course the random hoodmans in the area. Of course, like this is like what nineteen ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, where people weren't picking up a gun and like literally shooting off mans left, right, and center because apparently somebody stepped on their shoes. It's like these were like real beefs back in the day. But everybody I mean, in the neighborhood, I mean, the eighties was kind of oh. rough, bro. I'm not gonna lie. To you. Well, like I mean, I don't remember the eighties that much because like I was born in eighty seven, but. <laughs> Like, I will say, I will say that, like, it didn't matter what neighborhood you were in. Like, uh, like th- when seven o'clock rolled around, literally everybody from the block, like, ran in their house and watched Hockey Night in Canada. And that was, like, a staple. That was a staple in the neighborhood. So that was, that, that's, that's what sticks out to me the most. Yo, shout out to Bob Cole, fam. Yeah, you, you're the voice Bob Cole, Harry Neal. Bob Cole and Harry Neal. Generation. <laughs> the goats. They're the voice of hockey. That's the voice of hockey I, I knew. I yeah. hated the mother cats. <laughs> we'll go, we'll you, go, you, go to your so We'll get your thoughts. You mentioned, you, mentioned, you mentioned Harry Neal and Bob Cole. Those are big voices, I think, for all of our youth growing up watching hockey. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, uh, like, you know, I was born a first-generation Canadian. My parents, fresh off the boat, they're from Somalia. So the the way to assimilate into Canadian culture was, you know, mom makes food, you know, friends, cousins, relatives, whatever, come over and you find some shit to do. And the thing to do on Saturday nights, while whether it's playing board games, talking and whatnot, is the the Leafs are going to be on CBC. And uh, I think my parents were real good about getting me involved into that culture early and you know sharing some of those memories with my dad at a very young age you know 
the love-hate relationship you have with the Leafs. And, you know, he's a the younger parent at the time. Uh, when I was born, I think he was just entering his 20s. So you know how the sports fandom is, in, you know, in, in your 20s, mid-20s, a little more invested uh, than any other time in your life. But especially then, it was a just a really good bonding moment for us. And especially one of my, I guess, youngest memories was I remember – Matt Sundin being acquired. I remember, uh, you know, some of those runs like the 99 run, like the 2002 run to the conference finals. And it's like, mom wants you to go to bed, you know, reasonable time. You got school the next day, but your dad, you know, is like, <laughs> like, come on, it's, it, it's game seven. You're playing it's the playoff, Islanders. Baby. Yeah. It's, it's game, yeah, it's game seven. <laughs> Trust me. What? <laughs> exactly. So it's We're just like, playoffs? And, oh yeah, you, you remember the, yeah, exactly. Back when it, I would say the Leafs are in a really good place now, but those were like, you know, you had the 93, 94 run. And then it was just a little bit of like a gray area where we might suck again. And then you get that beacon of hope. You get a young baby faced Swedish kid, you know, with a lot of skill come in and he kind of just invigorated the city a little bit. And I was, you know, living in Toronto at the time and it just, you, you kind of run with it and he's just scoring all these clutch goals and all these unsung heroes are, you know, like Steve Thomas and, you know, Gary Roberts and all these guys that, you know, they had something to prove and they're scoring big goals and you kind of rock with them. Like Ty Domi's another one. So, and then my non-leaf memory as a youngin was uh, Paul Correa. That was my guy. That was my favorite player oh, in the league. Shit. I loved, I loved oh. Matt Sundin. I loved the Leafs. But I also loved short. My dad used to call him Shorty, you know, learning the English and stuff. But <laughs> called him Shorty, small guy, so much skill, so much speed. He'd get his ass beat, come right back up, score a goal. Yep, and I remember that 03 uh, finals versus the Devils, where it was like David versus Goliath, almost like the Devils just run through everyone on their way to the Cup final. And Anaheim just has no business being there, but hot goaltending from J.S. Shagir. and then you, you got. Paul Correa and just a bunch of just no namers going nuts. And I'm just like, yo, this, this guy is amazing. And yeah, everyone remembers the play. He gets his bell rung, gets up. And, uh, uh, you know, after a few minutes of being, you know, checked in, what, what is it? The dark hole, what they used to call it. Now they call it like the concussion tent or whatever. Yeah. But back then, you know, the black hole, you go see, uh, if you can blink and you know, you can follow the finger, <laughs> yeah. follow the finger oh, back on the wild, ice, bro. Yeah. Trust and then he me. goes and scores. Yeah. Goes and scores a goal. Carl goes wild. So those are my favorite memories. Well, yo, those motherfuckers were damn near having seizures, bro. And, and they were oh my God. back on the ice. You know, I, I'm trying to say this, guys. Yo, the hits that you would see in the NHL from 20 years ago, 25 years ago, Today are all at least 10, 15 game suspensions. Like, <laughs> like Scott, <laughs> Scott Stevens. Scott Stevens. not even a joke, man. He'd be out the league. He'd be out the league. <laughs> Trust me. I know you guys are NFL guys. Trust He'd be, me. Uh, what's it? Vontae Burfecht? Vontae's Burfecht? Vontae's like, Burfecht, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, those, Yeah. And in his own right, he was a really good player. It was unnecessary, but he was, though. No, he was, no. one thing I forgot to mention too: NHL yeah. '94, the greatest hockey video game of all time, fam. That shit, I was, I was on that game for yep. hours as a kid for Sega Genesis. Woo! On you the Sega what? Genesis, yep. I'm sorry. 
Super Nintendo. I'm sorry. You know, oh, you know, that's when that's when we knew that's when we knew Harry Neal and Bob Cole were the face of hockey and like the the sounds of hockey because in the NHL games they would have like Jim Houston and the other guy and I'm like, yo, these guys yeah. are freaking brutal. Where's Bob <laughs> Cole? Where's Harry Neal? I don't want to. What no, Jim Houston no. calling a Leafs game is the worst because you know he's a Canucks homer. He hates the Leafs. He, yo. It's because he never got a spot. I on hate those. when he That's calls why. nationally televised Maple Leaf game. I like Jim Houston, but you got some on. You know, you guys mentioned video games. I'm gonna have a take right here. NHL '94 is not the greatest game of all time. It is not the greatest all right, game of all night, time. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I got I got I got '94 and NHL 2002. Like right there, right yo, there. I, I, I got dinner to cook, man. I'm sorry, like yo. What a bumble clap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's the thing. Growing up as a kid, growing up as a kid, my my experiences with video games. I I I had NHL games from all different companies. I had NHL games from EA, from EA, from Midway, from Acclaim, from um, 99 Sports. I didn't just play EA games. I played the games from the rival companies. So I will also say it's the meatiest game of all time. NHL game for me personally, NHL hits 2002. That was my. It's great. In college, that was our drinking game. So, yo, if they had actually done an NHL street, an NHL street, that would have been dirty. Let's be honest here. That's too easy and great of a concept for the NHL to consider. An NHL street game? It's too awesome. Well, actually, you know what, though? They kind of did, though. There's a game called NHL Rock the Rink, which they made in 2000. Made my. Electronic arts. That oh, what kind of nonsense that? It's similar to the kind of concept of what that was. Right. It was very, very different. But guys, you know, I want to get into, of course, you know, just the podcast. You guys have done about eight shows now on your podcast. I was your first guest on the show. My manager at Yahoo, Arun, was your second guest, which you had on. So, you know, keeping things in the family of Yahoo and connected. But I want to ask you guys, like, what was the impetus for you guys to say, you know what? Hey, it's time for us to get into the scene of getting into podcasting, and trying to really be that Black-centric voice for Leaf fans who look like us? Uh, this, is a, this is a question for Dave, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah I had a feeling like this was coming to me. Mastermind of this. All right, well, uh, one, so, all right, go ahead, Dave. So, um, I, ironically enough, like, um, when... Dave, deep in thought on that one. <laughs> yeah, Dave, no. are you there? Like, I, I actually there? remember oh. this. Did I remember this on like us? it was yesterday. But um, what ended up happening was, uh, of course, we all found out that Wayne Wayne Simmons oh, had nope. been signed with the Leafs. What it ended up happening was, like, I just randomly said on Twitter, Jordan, of course, dropped something on 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 the tweets, and he was just like, um, "Yo, uh, like, Wayne Simmons is actually signed with the Leafs. Like, yo, now we can actually get like some some black centric like interest into the Leafs." And I'm like. I just randomly went out of randomly went out of my way and said like, "Hey, I'd be down to start a Black Leafs podcast." And then all of a sudden, like interest started spiking out of nowhere. Of course, not only from his followers but from random followers too. And like, of course, like with uh, the Black Lives Matter protest still mad fresh, it was like um, it was only a matter of time before I said, "You know what? Hey, let's give this a shot." So. I messaged like I messaged Jordan and then all of a sudden I got a DM from Darren. I got a DM from Reese as well. And, you know, the gear started turning. And after about maybe a month of planning and like a, a month of meetings and what have you and 
you know, obviously me, me trying to like quell my anxiety as much as possible. Uh, I just said, you know what, like, let's get this going. Let's try and get an episode. Of course, the planning stages weren't easy. Trying to find a decent name wasn't easy because I was about to call it the Black Eyes, po- uh, the Black Eyes podcast for some stupid reason. But like everyone would kind of just laugh that off. But after a while, it was just like, it was like, um, I don't know. It was just, it kind of just caught fire and it just kind of felt natural. And I, I went with it and everything. And uh, of course the guys really helped me out. And now like we're, now we're doing this and it kind of just feels like, you know what, this is like second nature to us now. And I think that's kind of where, I think that's kind of where like the, it became significant for us because it was like black people need like black, black hockey fans, let alone black people in general need a voice in hockey. And I was willing to be like, okay, you know what, let's do it in the one area where like black people apparently could not get in the club and we were trying to get in the club and like Toronto was the best place to start. And we were kind of hoping to be that catalyst with things and like, you know, not only help to like tell stories, but like expand, expand the community of like, say four dudes to like, say, I don't know, like a good, good portion of the fan base or like, say, draw like piggyback off of the Raptors fan base and then just go from there and be like, okay, you know what? Like, yo, it's, it's safe for black people to love hockey and enjoy themselves and not feel like, you know, to not feel like, Oh, this is a white man sport or it's a white boy sport. But like, they wanted to feel like I wanted everybody to feel like, you know what? Everybody belongs in here. And it's like, it doesn't matter what your skin color is, what your ethnicity, what your ethnicity is, what your sexual orientation is or any of that nonsense. It's like, like, yo, if you love hockey, jump on, you know, like literally jump on the train. Like, yo, we got bare seats. We got bare seats and bare cars waiting for you. Like, yo, there's a seat for you. There's a seat with your name on it. Come through. Absolutely. No, of course it really isn't like this. Go ahead. Reese, everyone good? Yeah. I just want, you know, to follow up on Dave's point, a lot of what hockey preaches and the National Hockey League preaches, and it doesn't always feel like it's the case, is that hockey's for everyone. And it feels like, you know, we're shooting the shits on Twitter. Excuse my language again. I swear like a sailor. I saw, I came across Dave's Twitter, and it was just like, man, how many, how many of you folk watch hockey that look like me? Like, I do. Darren does. Sticks is like, not yet, but I will. Avery does so like it just it's it was almost like a congregation of a bunch of folks and not to say that the end all be all is that all hockey fans have to be black but for the first time it just felt like you could see to your left and your right or up and down your TL and someone that looked like you or shared a different perspective culture mindset religion orientation other than your old boy white affluent Caucasian heterosexual white male mm-hmm. covering yeah. hockey and essentially building a little box or a wall around anybody that tries to get in and talk to sports as they're not credible. They're not it. Cause you know, outside of, for example, Avery, I don't see too And you know, black girl hockey clubs, another one, shout out them that really infiltrate this space. So it was like, well, if you're not going to let us in, well, <laughs> screw you. <laughs> We'll do our own thing. That's how that's how we saw it. And you know, you know, David kind of came with the vision, like, you know, 
and uh, you know David and Darren, and then it's like mm-hmm. I've been waiting. On, I've been waiting on this. I love mm-hmm. hockey. Like I, you know, I've been watching hockey my whole life. Played the game. I play NHL while at work. That's probably why I suck at my real job. <laughs> playing, playing, playing so it's just like you know you. It's something to look forward to a couple times a week. We talk, we watch the game. You almost want to take notes. Like this is what's going on around the league. Blah blah blah. I, I feel like a news reporter almost. And it's just, but then you record the episode, and it's just a bunch of guys casually just talking, a like shared interest of hockey. And you know, we have listeners of all complexions and you know all backgrounds and fates, and as it should be. And we just want them to know, and any prospective listeners out there that. Hockey can be for everyone. And if, you know, the big entities won't make you feel that way, at least, you know, four kids from Ontario will. Or five guys, you know, five guys from Canada, you know, yeah. all good looking young brothers. We're going we to make you feel like your your ears and voice matter in, in the sport. That's great. Yeah, that's a really great thing. And, you know, with you guys, one thing I love on the show is that you mentioned, you know, uh, he's not here right now, but. This is six. Jordan is on here too, and and what what I love is that with Jordan is Jordan comes from a more basketball background. He's a more Raptors guy, more a football guy, and from day one, you guys have been educating him on on hockey from literally from ground um, from the base of certain rules to the culture of the leagues, the culture of the NHL, two different storylines. I love that, and it's really showing that you know, hey, you may be someone who is watching a game like all of us have for decades. We might be a complete newcomer. This podcast is going to be for you. Absolutely. And it's just yeah, maybe, you know, you always. Oh, go ahead, Dave. I was going to say, like, yeah, like, honestly, we were planning well, on doing that one. from the jump. And I feel like, obviously, at the end of the day, uh, we want to be able to bridge that gap to be from like, oh, OK, I don't know nothing about hockey, bun hockey. Uh, hockey a white boy sport to be like oh, okay you know what like let me let me see if the Leafs are on right now or like let me see if Edmonton's on or let me see who's getting slapped up by by the Senators or yeah. or heaven forbid it's like yo oh, oh, oh I watched the I watched the Canadiens game it's like Tabernacle Castillo <laughs> oh, excuse my language <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like we want to be able to yo, you know yo, like, make my fans angry. but honestly we want to be able to bridge that gap and like have the i guess the comfort level of literally having hockey available for anybody and everybody involved and i think that's the biggest thing that we need to do going forward of course like if there's going to be a team in halifax down the road or a team in new brunswick or pei if people can actually reach pei without like having to do stupid, th- <laughs> do stupid things on Confederation Bridge, but as long as we can, like, literally have the ability to, like, I guess, just bring bring a better bring a better culture to to hockey, like, sky's the limit, right? No, yeah, I, like, for those I, of you that are, oh, I was gonna say, for those of you that are listening, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, like, I'm just very, um, I'm very blunt and I'm very specific. Like, obviously, these guys will feel like I'm the wild child, but oh, like, I'm very. I'm like I'm a very mature person. Once you get to know me, and we don't yeah, feel that's what they all say. That's what a mature person would say. I'm mature. You're mature. <laughs> Yo, two twos. I really like. 
I know two twos like yo, I'm 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 as I'm as I'm as calm as they can, as they can be. It's just if you listen to like half of my takes on the show, it's like oh. bare mans will feel like yo, you, why why you gotta say that? Why I think you, I think they're money, crazy? they're good money. <laughs> that is good. Well, isn't is, go ahead, ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say, isn't that what makes like Avery show our show a little different? It's like. And, you know, when you're involved in hockey culture, Avery, you've been at these shows, you've, yes. you've interviewed some of these guys. It's almost like a methodical, robotic way that they speak, mm-hmm. act, coach, play. There's a right way of doing things. And sure, one method might work for some or many, but I think the way that we cover the sport, the way that we discuss, you know, discuss the sport can be right and work in different ways for different people. And the fact that on our show, we're goofy, we're funny. We, you know, we'll talk about tweets that we saw about the game. We'll talk about, damn, the fans in the stands, if there were some, the the DJ, just any aspect of the game that needs to be covered from a different point of view. And some of it, you know, spurs from the fact that we are multicultural. We come from different households. We see things differently because, our mom and dad saw things differently. And, you know, I, I think the fact that we can add our own flair and pizzazz to the show. And I know I watch your like IG lives, for example, it's different than your standard IG live of some of these guys that cover hockey, these men and women. And it's just, you know, there's, there's a little more pizzazz, a little flair. Like you dress up, you, you dress up swag, you, you put on the blazer, you yeah. know, like how many folks covering hockey doing that? I don't want to see a Bauer shirt. I don't want to <laughs> see a CCM sh- shirt, you know, I've seen it enough at the rink, you know, like, but that's just me. So it just, it, it's why we're comfortable doing this. You know, it's why we want to be in this lane. We want to continue in this lane. And it's just, that's why we, we show love and respect to someone like you. You brought us on this show and, you know, we, we, we're different, but you know, the mindset and the goal is we want to approach hockey in a different manner than what is conventionally out there. I, I love that. Thank you. Rita. You know, I've, I've watched this game for years as needed. A shakeup. The game has needed something different. I'm very different in terms of the game. I'm someone you mentioned. I go on camera. I'm always wearing a blazer. When I show up to the rink, I believe that I've, I believe for a very long time there's going to be somebody there at the rink who doesn't know who you are. It's going to be the first impression of you. And I don't want to be it to me, be me at the rink, be it at Rogers Place or be it at um, say the Saddle Dome or Rogers Arena or Scotiabank Arena, and they see me, and I'm not at my best. So that's why I'm at a game, and I'm in a three-piece suit, or I'm in a card game with a tie, nice. or I'm looking like a million bucks, because I want that person. Of hell, man. It's shot like a Gillette is, razor. Is it, is it too late? Can I put my yeah. shirt on? <laughs> I, I got Yo, a button up in the closet. Where's the still? <laughs> <laughs> big, big Alex Hitchens over here. What's up, Hitch? <laughs> Trust. <laughs> no, I, 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 that is just the Avery style, but I want to stay with your podcast, guys. I love the dynamics of you guys have before you because I look at Darren. He's a historian. He's a guy who can bring, you know, the facts about the league teams in the Harold Ballard days, the evolution of the 90s team. My guy. Reese can bring the analytics. Jordan's the newcomer to the game. And Dave is the moderator. Dave is the one who's a conductor, making sure that that train stays on track and doesn't crash into a wall or crash into unfinished Union Station. We're still not done yet. Come on, what's going no, on? The funny thing, the funny thing about Dave is 
He won't let us crash the train, but if he feels like crashing the train, he'll do that. But only him. Other than that, it's flawless. 99% were Beethoven. The the symphony is amazing, but it's like sometimes he's just like, you know, what would happen if I say this real quick? And it's hilarious. So, but only him. Everyone else, we got to stay on track. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> it's true, but it works, you guys. That dynamic works. And what I love is that so you see a lot of times in the hockey or sports where you might question if the panelists, you know, truly enjoy Trey's company. And when I listen to you guys, I get the feel in every single episode that all four of you guys enjoy being on air together. And to me, the listener, that adds so much more when I'm consuming your content. I can believe that y'all are fam. Y'all enjoy talking hockey with each other every single episode. For sure, as it should be. Otherwise, why are we doing this, right? Like, yeah, I don't want exactly. We definitely doing it. Yeah. So, like, really think about how your coworkers. And I'm really glad, as 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 a listener, like you you've you've noticed that too, because from day one we have this like natural rapport with each other, and you know, every time there isn't a day that goes by whether we're just recording or we're just talking shit that we're just cracking jokes yeah. on each other. Like yesterday we were cracking jokes on Dave all night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's all love at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? We have a good report and you know we connect with uh the love of hockey and the love of Maple Leafs. So and like Dave yeah, not the only can't... one that get roasted. I began I began roasted too. Listen, yeah. man. Yo, <laughs> going John, trust me. Half your takes on Twitter are the reason <laughs> yep. why we roast you in the first place. Like there was one day where, like, oh boy, yo, I was gonna say there was one day on like we had a conversation where uh, like our our lovely our lovely American friend Reese here was like, yo, um, what should I bring to this party, right? Because like, yo, I, I'm not bringing cheesecake, and like, yo, we all came after him for that, and I'm like, yo, cheesecake is an important oh, dish yeah. at any party. <laughs> it doesn't matter, like, yo. Like yo, if I have to literally it, fly down like, to Chicago and literally catch so, and literally catch a COVID test just to make sure that this man actually knows what's good with cheesecake, <laughs> then like yo, it's a thing. Like he was not getting it. Like yo, we had to explain it to him like and, four and, times. And it was serious. Just to tell him like yo, cheesecake is yo, like Darren. Darren's keeping first his of mouth all, shut about it. It must be a Canadian Thanksgiving thing. <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> Avery. My understanding was yes. Let me hear this. Let me let me hear this. All right. My understanding was, and granted, you know, I'm from a Muslim Somali household, so I didn't celebrate thanks Thanksgivings every day. Your mom throws down every day. Yeah. So, but I ha- I experienced Thanksgiving in Missouri, where I went to undergrad. So a little bit of the South, like the it's like a You're right close. gap in the middle. Yeah, it's yeah. close, but. You got people from Tennessee, Texas. A lot of these people migrate to Missouri. It's a red state. You know, it's a, it's a little southern. There's a southern feel. And so that was my first exposure to Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. Let's. There's a distinction there. And what they bring is the sweet potato pie, the pumpkin pies, you know, uh, the peach cobbler, the app, that stuff. So when someone was like, hey, my friend, she invited me to her Friendsgiving, was like, can I get some cheesecake? I like, God damn, cheesecake. <laughs> cheesecake. <laughs> they, they threw me off. But, but yeah, but they, they got me back on track. They were like, you're going to get that cheesecake. And I did, and everyone enjoyed it. So I was like, you know, you 
You live and you learn. It was a good play by Darren and Dave. I didn't want to believe them. I really didn't. I looked them in the eye and said, I don't know if I can do it. It's against my morals and principles. But we did bring the cheesecake. It did happen. So, Yo, that is funny. Yeah. That is funny. All right. A little, so guys, little tidbit. That's good. Guys, I, I got to ask you guys, all three of you guys, what are your thoughts? Well, two-part question for you guys. What are your thoughts first on Leaf performance this year? And secondly, what are your thoughts on the North Division and just how this works where it's just a bloodbath of all Canadian teams playing each other nine to ten times for the shortened season? Um, um I'll, I'll jump in on this first. Listen, I'm, I'm, all right, go ahead, go ahead. I'll jump in on this first. Um, for me personally, I feel like um, Toronto. Toronto's obviously done done well for themselves, of course. First in the division, first in the league. Uh, their offensive stats are like uh, like extremely stellar right now, of course, with the the fact that like they were first on like they were first and second in power plays and penalty kills at home and like or sorry, they were first and second in like shots on goal, goals against or goals for and goals against. Um, I feel like right now, like they're they're doing the work that they should have been doing years ago. Um, obviously, there's room for improvement, and I, like we kind of spoke about this last night during our last recording. Uh, but obviously, there there are there are a few things that do need to be retooled. Of course, like say like uh, going back to even strength after penalty kills, uh, small small minor tweaks on like defense, uh, learning to I guess be a little more. I guess be a little more aware of like your uh, be a more be a little more surface aware, not to mention like um, okay like say especially in overtime where it's like okay you have you have three players and then like you have your three players and it's like okay who who's available like do you, who's collapsing on what side and it's like do you have an open do you have like an open side there where like you can literally just sauce a pass and then score or type uh, type of thing or like okay like where where's the next player going type of thing like these small minor tweaks are something that uh, like that are, are something uh, like are these are these small little things that do need to be worked on um i do feel that like the north division right now it doesn't seem like much of a bloodbath uh compared to the east division right now because like the east division is like literally a game of russian roulette mm. and like it's basically six bullets and two blanks in an eight in an eight barrel chamber eight barrel chamber gun and like on any given night, like a blank can actually turn into a bullet. And like by that, I mean like um, the Sabres and, and the Devils, like they can literally just jump on a hot streak. And the next thing you know, it's like, where the hell did these guys come from? But of course, the North Division like has some some very strong and like, of course, some very diverse pieces in, in the fold. And of course, uh, we were kind I, I mean, we were kind of half shocked that Montreal was second in the uh, second in the division. Of course, we were expecting Edmonton to actually be second in the division, and this wasn't a no- this isn't a knock on the Oilers, but like the fact that like Edmonton's kind of just like literally like the like I guess the second I guess the second the second bride or the second bridesmaid in this group. It's like okay, like we were expecting a little bit more from you guys, type of thing. We were actually expecting Vancouver to take second, and like Vancouver has kind of just been like what the hell is going on with you guys? Like the fact that trash, the Kachuk- you know, you, you, you ain't gotta, you ain't gotta dumb it down. Vancouver's been trash, bro. No trash. I, no, 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 like, no, I know. They got one of the I've... best in the league. right? <laughs> so I understand like your apprehension. I mean, not apprehension, but like, I understand 
your disappointment with Edmonton. And Avery's probably been more disappointed in them than anybody else. Because um, as I said, they got yeah. some one of the best one-two punches in the league. So but the fact that they're even behind Winnipeg and Montreal uh, is a bit of a surprise. But, you know, we don't know the best teams on top, of, just like we predicted. Breeze, <laughs> what about I, you? What are your thoughts? Well, I'm happy with overall how the Leafs are performing. They're projected to be the best team in the division. They are the best team in the division. When they're on, they're pretty damn unbeatable, and they look like the cup contender that they're meant to be. When they have the ebbs and flows and like the the dips in play, it it can look shitty, and it's masked by not a goaltender that can get you really over the top. You're gonna kind of need your forward your forward group needs to be the engine. You 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 added defensemen to just be average. Average to slightly above average. You added a good top four defenseman. I love Morgan Riley's offensive ability. I don't love him as a defenseman, period. I like Justin Hole. I like Muzzin. I like the depth there. But ultimately, what drives this team is a forward group. For the most part, they've done the job at a high level. They're beating teams. Is there room for improvements? Yes. It's early in the season, which is why we can't be too high or too low on much of these performances with a lot of these teams. I will say this. I'm surprised that the slow starts of like an Edmonton, but ultimately I see Edmonton being the two or the three when it's all said and done. You, you can coach your ass off if you want to, you can't coach to stop McDavid dry That's just the game that that one, two punch, there might not be a better one, two punch in the league. So they'll get it going. They have to, because those two are that good. I see a team like Montreal, like I always see Montreal, not a lot of skill, but they they're coached well, they play hard, they're good enough and they have good depth that they're going to start off well, they're going to hang around, they might even sneak into the playoffs, but they're capped out because they just don't have that top end skill anywhere. Even at goaltending, which was the thing, hey everyone, let's have depth, let's roll four lines, let's be solid, Carey Price will stand up, stand on his head if need be. But back then he was in his prime and they had PK Subban who was a Norris winner. So I don't we they love Shea Weber, but who's Shea Weber? Like he's good power play scorer. He hits guys hard, kind of a middling defense. There's just I'd like to say four lines of a bunch of middling players with a couple young cats, you know, Suzuki and stuff that have top end potential. Gallagher's pretty good, but you compare them to the top end talent of the Oilers or even the Canucks, even the Flames, the Leafs. What Ottawa could be one day uh, with Tim Schutzel, um, Brady Kachuk, and you think eh, we could use some more top end talent. So I'm not, I'm not really buying it with Montreal. I'm still high on Edmonton, uh, Vancouver. The one thing with them is, you know, they gave the keys early to Demko, and he couldn't really run with it. And the guy that Braden Holtby, who you were thinking we're gonna give him a chance to kind of get his career back on track, Stanley Cup winner, you know, has been an elite goaltender in the playoffs. I'm not gonna call him an elite goaltender over the course of a 60 game starting load, but has been an average to above average starter in that if the the Demko isn't ready, that Holtby can hold this down. And he hasn't done that either. So, but you can make that argument with the Flames as well. Their goaltending has been eh, a lot of question marks there. So as a Leafs fan that I have my moments where I complain about Freddie Anderson, sometimes just getting above average goaltending is good enough. 
especially if you got everything else going. Having average, questionable to below average goaltending on good teams have good teams looking worse than what they are. Oilers are dealing with that themselves. The one thing is you have two of the top five players on earth that you might over the course of a 50 some odd game season, I think that they can kind of regress to the mean a little bit. Um, and their problem, their thing is let's just figure out who the depth among our top guys are versus a Montreal where it's, we're starting off well, but teams are going to figure them out eventually. I I'm not, I don't think carry prices of carry price of old and who's going to be that go-to guy to get you a goal when you need it. I can name four teams in, in that division that got one. Pedersen has been a little slow, but he can be that guy. Brock Besser has been amazing this year. Got Dreisaitl and, and McDavid. Calgary, you know, you still got Johnny Hockey. Uh, you know, that that's one of the best forwards in the league. You still have, you know, Giordano's an elite defenseman. You got Sean Monaghan. You got some top-end guys there. They might figure it out, but I, I think we're, we're going to put too much stock into the early stages, whether the team is good or bad. And you're just going to have to kind of let this 50 something game season start or, you know, play itself out because while it might not seem that long, 50 some odd games is still a lot of fucking games. Excuse my language there again. It's a a lot. So I I think by the 30 game mark, we'll know. Yeah. The the cream will rise to the top here. So. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to feel about separation. Of course, we already know we already know Ottawa what they are. We know Ottawa has had their struggles, and we're seeing the packs on separate a little bit. Edmonton is in. You know what? Edmonton's a team. It's a team where offensively, you guys are right. They're still uh, McDavid and Drysaddle. These are still the top one-two punch in the league. And then you still have Ryan Nugent Hopkins there as a third option. It's once you get out of there, the question marks begin, and you are seeing development more of Killer Yamamoto. Yes, he pulled the Anti- back to the lineup. Uh, yep. Dominic Cahoon, they signed uh, this year. Here, he's been a he's been great. When you put Cahoon on that in that in a spot role in the first second line, he's he's um, helped out this team. But again, you're right. That's right. It's a goaltending. And you know, last year it hurt me because I was always skeptical of the signing long term of Miko um, Koskinen and Mike Smith. Mike Smith is a goaltender, you know, and against him personally, but I felt that his game has regressed dramatically compared to when he was that lead goaltender back in 2016-2017. I felt he wasn't the guy you needed to sign for 2020. We saw in the playoffs when he was called upon against Chicago. I always said this much in in the playoffs. Elite teams win Stanley Cups because they have a goaltender who makes them a big save when the defense fails. They didn't get that in Mike Smith against Chicago. They did not get that when you saw against the Hawks. So many times that little play where you would see that play behind the net, Edmonton's net. It'll pass out in front where you would see Dominic Kulbeck left alone or Taves or Kane. The elite teams, the goalie would make that save the bail amount. Edmonton didn't get it. They didn't get that save. It was, it was, when that play was executed, it was a near automatic goal that entire series and it burned Edmonton. So I felt that Ken Hall needs to go out and he needs to go out next year or just get just an average goaltender. Maybe it's an Aaron Dell. I mean, just an average goaltender. Because right now, Edmonton, Costner and Smith, if you're going into plus three with those two nets, you're holding your breath that you can outscore the opposing team. Because if you're going to get into a 2-1 battle against, uh, say, uh, Toronto or Montreal, you're not going to win that. I'm sorry. Yeah, especially with the shooting talent that these teams have. Uh, I'm surprised the Oilers didn't get in the Matt Murray sweepstakes. Not to say that he's lighting the world on fire in Ottawa, but... 
if you're going to, you know, take a flyer on anybody, I think you went for a second round pick and a prospect. I would take a guy with two cups. that's only 26 and injuries is the reason why when his underlying metrics of like high definition saves or high and high danger quality stops were among the league's best, even in the years that he didn't perform as well. So uh, I don't know the, the, the cap restrictions on that team, you know, especially when you have two guys north of 10 million, you know, I, I think Larson's off the books at the end of this year. Got some questions on the back end as well. That's a flyer I would have assumed that the Oilers would have taken. But I, I don't think the like going back to you bringing up the depth of the Oilers. I like Kyler Yamamoto. I think he's a stud. Everyone knows Jesse Puyi, RV. Some people up until draft time and that World Juniors of 2016 had him number two over Line A, and that was that was it until Line A just started scoring wrist shots from the point. Yeah. To top Ched, I understand, but in his own right, big tra- draft pedigree, kind of little bumps in the road and forks in the road and little disputes with, within the organization. But if there's anyone that can untap that potential, it's playing next to the talents of, you know, RNH, McDavid, Dreisaitl. So hopefully he'll get it going. I like, I like Jesse, Jesse Pulley RV. He's, he's, he's a dog. No, so do I. I liked him. I liked him from day one here. I'm glad they figured some things out because the Shirley regime really turned him off on being Edmonton. He really did not want to come back to Edmonton. It took a lot of work to get him back here because that regime was constantly calling him back, calling him up, calling him down. He never got a permanent place in the lineup. And I don't know what Pierre Shirley was doing, but yet Pierre Shirley sucks. He is still in the running for jobs. Plus, like, like at the end still, of the day, it's still Edmonton. Ain't nobody clamoring yeah. to live in Edmonton. Yeah, that's hey, true. This, this is a city where you, I keep telling you guys, come to come to the city. You know, you know what? Ten years ago, before Rogers Place was built up, before the Ice District, the community was starting to be built. Okay, I can agree with that. The, the downtown core of the city wasn't a place you wanted to be around. And I know it's revered here, but Rexall Place was not in a good part of Edmonton. It was not. You would go to games, guys. You It was a part of town where if you weren't there to go see a, either an Oilers game or a lacrosse or the rodeo, only bad things happened in that part of Edmonton. You you were not going to be in that part of town if you were there to watch sports. So. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Uh, Back to the Peter Shirelli thing real quick. Guys are going to get jobs off of the fact of one measly cup and Brian Burke is, <laughs> as a Leafs fan – one cup can you're set for life. And Peter Shirelli didn't even build that Boston team. Zdeno Chara gifted post lockout. The Leafs just handed over Tyler Sagan, a bunch of, you know, Bergeron's a second round pick of the previous regime. And he had his injury problems. You didn't even think if he was going to get to that level, you know? So Brad Marchand just develops randomly. He wasn't a Peter Shirelli pick. I think he was a fifth or a sixth round pick too. And just you catch lightning in a bottle I, yeah. Tim Thomas is another one, you know, him being an elite goaltender for that Boston win. Like, I, I believe he was playing, you know, overseas in Finland and in, in Finland and injury problems. Plus, Ray, Andrew Raycroft forgetting how to learn how to play hockey uh, at the national <laughs> at the National League level. Is it, is it then, Tim Thomas uh, MAGA? You said what? He's MAGA, right? Yeah, yeah he, he said so. yeah. he, he, would, he wouldn't he wouldn't go to the White House to shake. Uh, Obama's hand. Yeah. Because he likes, he doesn't like paying taxes. No, no offense to Obama. I just don't like paying taxes. I'm like, well, Obama didn't make up taxes, bud. Yeah. But, right? <laughs> like, but, uh, uh, it's, I'll ask you guys, you know, um, 
we saw last year in the bubble, we saw um, we saw sports taking in breaks to play in support of Black Lives Matter movement, in support of injustice. But the NHL was among the last leagues to really do anything. We saw in the NBA take a pause. We saw MLB pause game. We saw MLS. Also, two, WNBA and MLS. Those two leagues right there and NWSL. Those three were the three best that came to activism. Yeah, shout out to the NHL was... Yes, they've been killing for years. For years, they've been killing it with the missile links. And for the hockey, the NHL kind of dragged its feet along. But they had, of course, Matt Dumba taking knee and his speech before the first Edmonton Chicago game. But you saw, you know, Alan Vigneault saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I don't watch the news. You know, I'm busy with my team. You saw press conferences kind of avoiding it. And just what are your thoughts on NHL? You know, I mean, they're, they're trying to catch up now to an extent. There are certain things where they're improving, but they still need more work. But what were your thoughts, guys, guys, on NHL last summer being, you know, the last one to do anything and being a follower and not a leader in that aspect? Not surprised by it at all. Like, as you see the population of the NHL, and it's led by this old boys club, old white dudes, who if it's not happening to them and it's not affecting them directly, they don't really think about it, right? And, you know, we're talking about a, a group of people, like Black people, that have been oppressed for, for centuries, and now it's coming to a head. And as you mentioned, L.A. Vignon, like, saying, oh, I don't know what's happening, I don't know what's happening. He's being willfully ignorant. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? But what they don't understand is that he has the luxury of not knowing what's happening. You understand? Whereas we don't have that luxury. Like we have to live it every day. We have to think about it. We have to see it. And that's something that he doesn't have to think about as, as, as a, as a, as a white male. And unfortunately the NHL is full of white males. We have all been watching the game for decades now and we see it. As much as we like the game, and I think I think we can all agree that we all love the game, but we may not like the league as much as we like the game itself. And that's one of the reasons why. You know what I mean? And them dragging their feet, it doesn't surprise me. I, I see the things that they're doing now, um, but one thing I don't really like is that most of the things that are happening now in terms of uh, equality and equity and all those things are happening at the team level, but there's nothing league mandated that I've seen. And I could be wrong, but there's nothing league mandated other than them putting the Willie O'Ree sticker on the back of the helmet, which I like, but I don't think that should be limited to Black History Month. I think it's something right. that, like, we need to celebrate for every, you know, like, why why do I know everything about Guy Lafleur and Maurice Rocker Richard, but I don't know anything, uh, I don't know enough about, uh, you know, Grant Fuhr and even Willie O'Ree himself and all of those players. So I think or those things Negro need Hockey to be League. celebrated in July. Right. Yeah, exactly. Negro Hockey League. Um, you know, a black a black a black league invented, you know, black players invented the slap shot. Like all of those things. Like those things need to be highlighted not only in, in February, but in, in, in March, April, May, June, July, August, September. You know what I mean? But it doesn't surprise me that the NHL is doing it. Um and I I just hope that they they get their shit together and and start recognizing these people fast, especially if they want like it's in their best interest. Like I don't understand, it's in their best interest to even get black people interested in the game and in the league, because um, because hockey in the United, especially in the United States, is it's very niche, right? It's only in a few markets that it's really 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 booming. So 
it would be a lot better if they can get places like you know they fucked it up in Atlanta twice, but Atlanta's a more majority black city. They can get it back booming in Atlanta, and then you know places like where there are other majority black cities like the black population of Washington D.C. for instance, which is another majority black city. Um, Philadelphia, the black population of Philadelphia. I know. Yeah, I know Chicago. Chicago has a large black population too, so mm-hmm. they can just expand it to like that population, and you know, black people will love the game. It's flashy, it's 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 fast, but a lot of them don't know about it. But the NHL's done a shitty, shitty job of inclusion um, and and acknowledging the the plight of of black people uh, within within the cities that they operate in. I'm gonna and drop it from my, the ground up. Um, Sorry, I was gonna say I'm gonna drop I'm gonna drop a little bit of my uh, personal opinion on this too. Uh, obviously, when the NBA sure. started doing their thing and Major League Baseball started doing their thing as well, like of course it was like it took it, it, it took yeah, as as it was previously stated, the NHL literally dragged their feet on this. That was something that bothered me like significantly because it's like you say you want to build the game towards uh build the game for everybody and that includes women and that includes black people that includes asian people that includes like say people of uh, like other sexual orientations like for example tra- uh, like tra- uh, people who are transgender people who are gay people who are bi people who are queer and it's like what are you doing to push that forward and it's problematic because the response that the NHL gave right after everybody else had started doing it it was just like oh okay well the black people are doing it like what like the black people are doing it all the other minorities are doing it like let's do it too it's like that that's kind of a very tone deaf and very whitewashed response and it's a very negative it it shows that like it's a it's a very negative connotation with with the league at that point because it's like you're sitting there saying like okay Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something, but like I'm only gonna do it what if say all the other minorities are doing it. It's like you're just following a trend at that point. And right. the NHL really needs to stop and stop, think, and realize that instead of set instead of following a trend, why don't you just set a trend and like be be the pioneer that you're supposed to be? Um I I don't appreciate the fact that like um when they did the reverse retro jersey unveiling, they had like three minorities in that commercial, and they were like lighter. They were basically lighter than like say uh, they were lighter than my nose, and like or like lighter than the like as light as the palm of my hands. And I'm not saying that as a joke. Like yo, that like it was that it's it was that serious. Like I I I nearly openly threw up in my mouth when I saw that because it was like, how are you gonna sit there and promote? equality in this game and then literally pull pull off a display like that like that was just that was just downright disgraceful like on on the league's behalf but obviously like the whole the whole hiring of like um a black woman in the executive office in the nhl of course uh more black players are starting to become more prominent in the league of course quentin byfield being the first being like the highest african-american to be drafted in the nhl like, I mean, there's some strides, but it's like, it's not enough. It, it, it feels like you, like you're only doing the bare minimum. And it's like, you, it, it's kind of like how affirmative action came in. It's like, you know, like we give black people their reparations or we get black people that just do. And then it's like, okay, you know what? Like we're, we're like, we're done. And it's like, no, you need to be doing a lot more than what you're doing right now. And 
like until mm-hmm. until that like, I wouldn't say until that narrative is met, but until that is like actually fulfilled enough to be like, okay, you know what? Like, yes, there's some genuine there's some genuine, like honest growth with all multicultural communities and not just the black community in general. But like as long as there's that that steady growth, like it'll show that like the league actually gives a shit. And as of right now, it's still like I I know somebody from the league is probably listening to this right now, but like like this really needs to be heard. Like the NHL really needs to step its shit up, especially when it comes to black people. And like it like until until that day comes. I hope like, listen. Yeah, but like until that day comes, and like until like the NHL can basically sit down with the Hockey Diversity Alliance and be like, hey, we're actually gonna like literally overturn our nonsense. And our bullshit and be like, okay, let's bring you into the fold. How can we improve the game? How can we make sure that everything's more inclusive? Until that day comes, hockey is doing fuck all right now. And I was, I'm saying that with my whole chest. Like, you can come after me. You can come email me. You can do what you want. But, like, until you do anything, you ain't fucking doing shit. Excuse my language. I would say this. To follow up on Dave's point, um... I think the NHL's lack of awareness when it comes to inclusion, diversity, even just having the awareness to know what's going on in today's social climate, the social climate of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, is a symptom of a bigger problem, which is not only just the NHL as the biggest entity in hockey, but hockey culture as a whole and represent the lack of representation. It is the most expensive game to play it is arguably one of the most racially difficult games to get involved in play get equipment get ice time get on teams get on better teams if you're good enough access not to mention the insurance part of me i don't want to say it's by yeah the insurance uh the culture in the locker room once you are a minority playing the game once you are a woman playing the game, once you're a, a different orientation playing the game, it's almost as if it's by design to keep hockey looking, acting, feeling a certain way. And it's why hockey fans, hockey players, old, former hockey players love that I'm that old adage, I miss how it used to be, or this is the right way to play. This is how it used to be done. This is how, what's respectable. and it's not, and it, it's in the form of the lack of awareness in the game from the NHL level might seem like it's the worst, but there are worse racially dismissive things going on within hockey culture in the NHL than just we don't acknowledge the Hockey Diversity Alliance. We don't acknowledge Black History Month past a patch on a helmet. It's the way that they treat players. It's the way that they prevent people that look like me and you from even having access to the game. It's them making sure our moms and dads can't afford the game or only offering one measly scholarship for that one token per team or per league. And that's the kid that gets the most abuse on the ice from opposing teammates in his own locker room, from his own teammate, you know, et cetera, you know, uh, so on and so forth. So I look at the NHL dismissing, for example, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, when that's a wonderful opportunity to make things right. Here are our minority star players in the National Hockey League are willing to put their money where their mouth is to grow the game 
to, to make the coaches front office to damn near to the ticket people know that this game is for everybody. And the NHL couldn't even match that energy or even half-ass match the energy like some of the other pro leagues do. Even the NFL was like, all right, we're going to start kneeling. Like, at least pretend like you give a fuck. And that is – it's not because the the NHL doesn't feel like they have to. They just generally don't want to. I, they want the game to stay the way it is, a old boys club where the next star of NHLers are the sons of former NHLers, which are affluent, heterosexual white males that are rich, go to the same country club they play for the same two three teams they're gonna gm and coach the same two three teams and that's just they vote republican i guess the way it is and so for a change to happen go ahead go ahead and so for i I, I think for a change to happen we can't yeah absolutely and it, it goes to the way that the owners vote the the way that they treat their community the way that they abandon certain parts of their community that might be more racially ambiguous than others. And so if you want to see change in the game, it's not going to be a slow growth. It's not going to be a, please notice us. It's going to be like a big fuck you, the wrecking ball that needs to happen. And it need, it, it's got to be something seismic catastrophic. That's what gets changed. And it's, it's an uncomfortable change. It might take us, superstar top three top five nhl player that happens to be black saying man f y'all i'm sitting out the year until y'all do something a la nba style like um or you know uh i'd like to say that they even kind of did it the whole league um after uh the shooting of george floyd i believe when all the nhl players said we're gonna boycott it's gonna take stuff like that where it's all right now it's hurting our pockets this is a consensus Yo, what what the f is going on? It's gonna take that type of movement to 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 bring about change within the league and within within hockey culture, um, rather than here's a here's a patch on a helmet or happy Black History Month tweets. It's it's, it's right. some shit's gotta go down, you know. Exactly, and you know, I look at the game, and you know, it's thing where it's very performative, where you know, okay, great, you're putting the patch on for the honor of Leo Reed, or you know, it's teams skating out in pride tape okay what more are you gonna do what more are we going to do to make our black our our black fans welcome our fans from the lgbt community what more are we going to do to make them comfortable because the nfl the nfl Mm -hmm. i think is one of the first leagues to have women as coaches and women from the lgbt community on their coaching staff we don't have that in nhl we do not have that on the bench we barely have any black assistant coaches. We saw Joel Ward on the bench in a, an emergency situation on the bench for Vegas Golden Knights because he's one coach coaches in for Henderson in their AHL team. We saw Mike Greer as a coach for the Devils. We saw Paul Gerard for years and years be a coach with the Flames and the Avalanche. And I never once heard Paul Gerard's name get mentioned for a head coaching gig. And by the way, Paul Gerard played in the NHL for the Minnesota North Stars in the 80s. Paul Gerard is of that ilk, but Paul Gerard's name never, ever comes up for a head coaching job in the NHL. I never hear his name mentioned, not once. And Avery, to follow up on your point there, um, I will say this, within hockey culture, 
it is easier to navigate the waters to get up in the ranks as a random white guy in a different profession, like uh, Coach Cooper uh, of the Lightning. John Cooper, Cooper, a former lawyer that just said, I want to coach. To be a black person to infiltrate hockey coaching, hockey front office ranks, you had to have the the what's I'd like to say prerequisite is you have to have played in the National Hockey League and it has better have been damn near 10 seasons. You had to have been the top 1% of the sport to even get your cup of coffee. And then, well, we're going to start your ass in the minors. Granted, that's where a lot of people get their start, but it almost feels like the minors can be a death sentence, not only for players, for coaches, unless you're the top of, you know, you got to be lucky like 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 a, a John Cooper to potentially be a head coach one day with no NHL experience. Now imagine a minority or a woman trying, you know, trying to accomplish that same goal. And it's not only just right. in coaching, but also in the front office. To be a black man, to get to the top in the pinnacle of front office or coaching success, you, it is the prerequisite is you have had to play in the NHL and have had to have been a household name in the NHL. Whether that been you fighting, you penalty killing, ten plus seasons, and it's like a John Cooper can say, "I don't want to be a lawyer today. I want to coach hockey." And within five to ten years, is coaching a Stanley Cup team. Granted, he deserves it and he earned it. But how many guys love the game, know the game, maybe were not afforded the opportunities to play at a high level, because hockey is a very expensive sport, can have that chance where if they're good enough you know, have their name in the raffle or have their name in the hat for those positions. So it's a good point that you brought up that the Joel Ward, long career, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, shit. If Anton Carter, long career, again, like the the guys that would get their cups of coffee had had to play 10, 15 years in the NHL. So it's, it's, it's ridiculous guys. Just the amount of hills you have to battle in the game. If you're not, a straight white male, and you mentioned inclusion. I look, you know, I've been, I've been in a lot of locker rooms, and language there isn't a very um, isn't welcoming. I see someone like Brock McGillis. Brock McGillis was the one of the first pro players to come out as being openly gay, and Brock's a good friend of mine. Brock will, Brock is someone who will mention, hey, we need to improve this diversity, and someone will come into his mention and drop the f word, not not the other one, the other ones. Like, wow, we're still gonna refer somebody as that. Like, that is where there's still so much work to do when the response to an argument from Brock, which is valid, is to call him a homophobic slur publicly. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah, it really is. And I don't want to say I don't want to say that it doesn't happen in other sports, but what sport makes it more obvious that you will be discredited and denied because of the race of your skin or the color of your skin, your sexual orientation or... Uh, the genders that you identify with. Like, it's, so. it's, it's ridiculous. It's something, but you know what, guys? We do want to end on more of, you know, a more of a, a more upbeat note. So we'll do something you guys did to me. We'll do a little bit of rapid fire questions, which, you know, when I, when I was oh, on lad. your show, guys, it was hilarious. I, I did not expect, I did not expect to be asked Cowboy Boots or Air Force Ones. Back on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh God! Brilliant. It must be because you're from that, that was just me. That was just me being me. Like, 
Uh, I'm stretched <laughs> for this. <laughs> you know what? For the record, for the record, I do own a cowboy hat. I do have a, a denim shirt. And if I do go to Stampede next year, you're going to see me in both. <laughs> you have to put that on the ground. Put it, put it on the ground. You're going to do numbers. You're going to do absolute numbers. Oh, Yo, and it's not going to be for your we're reason. At, we're going we're gonna to post it to our OnlyFans, bro. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 what, what, what's my only fan login? Uh, what's my Somali username again? Somali Boy sixty nine. We're we're gonna have to collaborate there. We'll we'll split we'll split the profits. Yo, instead right. of only fans, yeah, we're gonna call it only man. Right. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Only man. Only man. <laughs> Dave's always good with the one liners, man. Yo, only man. Only man. That's dope. <laughs> all right, let's get into that. All right, guys. So, all right, Toronto. What is the best spot in Toronto for some roti? For some what? Roti. Uh, Ali's roti on Queen Street, Queen and Dufferin Park. Okay. Um, I gotta. I haven't say lived in Toronto. I haven't lived in um, Toronto since before. Okay, reason. I was going to say something different. I was going to say all wins up in like North End of Tobacco, out near like Rexdale and Finch. Or sorry, Highway 27 and Finch. Okay. All right. Okay. Reese, 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 you've been to Steve too long, Reese, this one. So I'll go with you. You've been in America yeah, where, too where, long. Where, 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 wherever <laughs> one of my favorite rappers, Nav, eats. If Nav goes there, I, I go there. I don't about Nav. You didn't like where, Wherever the brown you boy goes. You not right now. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> hey. Brown man's from Rexdale. Wherever he eats, it's good enough for me. Shout out to Rexdale. Bro. We don't read now. Yo, straight good. Shout straight out to good. Rexdale. <laughs> Yo, that one killed. Oh, that killed me. All right, next one. Favorite black Michelin of all time. Uh, I, got, I, I got PK. PK. All right. I got PK. Aginla. I got Aginla for me. I'll go low hanging fruit and say Aginla. Next expansion in NHL, where's the expansion city going to? Next city. It should be a second team in Toronto, although that's never going to happen. The Leafs won't let that happen. Yeah, the Leafs will never let that happen. Second Mm -hmm. team. I could see Quebec City. Quebec Um, City getting another. Yeah, Quebec City will be a great one, I think. Um, I'm going to go against the norm here. I'll give you the States one, too. uh, Okay, Houston would be... Houston's yeah, the next logical like I, answer, to be honest, from a financial yeah, standpoint. Like, it, and like a population it's pretty standpoint. much Houston. It's like Houston for me, or say the Maritimes, because like you got a really big population out in out in the Atlantic too, right? And like you could create a very big rivalry yeah, with like but, say. But the Maritimes they got no money. Bro. That's the problem. What better to way add, to generate money? I, to add to that, I got one. I got two more to add. Either Hartford re- gets gets the reunion or uh, Maine. Northeast hockey is really big in the states. Interesting. It's only, huh? and they got money too. It's only a matter of time. So yeah, put a team back in there again. Okay. Okay. All right. So. All right, guys. Next. All right. Two more for you. Favorite movie from the Thirty for Thirty collection of ESPN. Uh, two Escobars. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, two Escobars. For those who don't know, the two Escobars uh, is about uh, Pablo Escobar. And uh, uh, I can't remember his first name, but the young man who played for the Colombian national team, Andre Escobar, sorry, played for the Colombian national team as a defender, uh, had an own goal against Team USA in in the World Cup, 
uh, when he went back to Colombia, he was unfortunately killed. So they talk about the culture of the drug cartel and how uh, they they were intertwined uh, directly from Pablo Escobar to Andres Escobar. It's a sad story, but it's a really, 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 really good one. For me, I'm gonna say that you, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, okay. Dave. This is a little bit out of my out of my depth here when it comes to hockey, but like it's the uh, the Ric Flair the Ric Flair uh, edition of Thirty for Thirty. That that was that was beautiful in itself. Okay, that was really good. That was good too. That's a good one. Hey, 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 Avery! I got to shout out the, the the first episode, the the Wayne Gretzky one too. That one, that one was amazing. Yes, too. that was the very first one. Yeah, which, which is surprising that ESPN did the first one on the Gretzky trade. Yeah, but you know, uh, I'll say um, actually my favorite one. My favorite one is the tie between either um, Once Brothers about the Vlade Divox on Petrovich relationship. That one was amazing, too. That was a good one, yeah. I love that one. Yeah, and that was beautiful. Is, um, this was the XFL. Yeah, the XFL was wild. I love- <laughs> Those I, investors are wild. Like, anyone, <laughs> anyone who knows me in Edmonton, they know, like, my my. My Edmonton friends know. If you want to know anybody the XFL, talk to Avery. I know, like, everything about the day one, how this demise, the teams, the starting quarterbacks. Like, I'm a guy to talk to about XFL. So you were one of the five people that watched it beyond the first game, then? <laughs> I did. They, I did. Yo, they should give you, they should give you, uh, they should give you season tickets when it gets back, man. You got to hit up the rock right now. Yo, Trust me. Danny Garcia, give me some season. Give me a franchise. Yo. Give, let, me, let me own one of those teams. I mean, be an owner of an XFL franchise, 2022, for real. All right. Last question for you, boys. Last question. All right. Who takes Drucker Rashard Trophy this year? Austin Matthews. Come on, fam. Oh, okay. Austin Matthews. Dude, just Is cheese eggs good? Like, <laughs> like, come on, fam. Potato, <laughs> breakfast food. Like, they all go, yo. yo, they're on brand. They're on brand. I'll give them that. Sam, the brand is strong, and we are, are, are we, we are constantly on brand. The brand is strong. It's Austin Matthews. Next question, fam. I can do this all night. Do, do we love Carabana? <laughs> yeah. You know what? No, no, Real, real next question. Real next question. Actually, when do we see Carabana return? Next year or 2023? When's Carabana happy? 2022. I'm saying 2022. But I'm being cautiously optimistic. But I'm saying 2022. He's cautiously optimistic. I'm very optimistic. 2022, we back. And when he gets back, I'm playing mass like I did in 2018. So I'm playing mass, bro. Yo, honestly, I'd say 2022. I actually got a little, I got, yeah, actually got a little right. story. Speaking of Carabana, and this is pretty on brand for hockey. Uh, a, a one Purnell Carl Subban usually Jesus. played mass uh, in the summertime uh, yeah. in Carabana. Yeah, I've uh, one summer uh, right after he signed his his extension with uh, the Montreal Canadiens that year. See this guy, kind of big guy, rolling through the crowd, rolling through the crowd, bumped it. Oh, sorry, dude. Oh, sorry, man. Looked up. It's Subban. <laughs> Full costume, gold hat with glitter all over him. He's chilling. I say, yo, what's good, man? He's like, yo, what's good, man? It's all good. Yeah, man. Shout oh, out to my guy. Man of the people, man. Oh, and a, and a yard man, too. So. Shout uh, out to PK, man. Yo, shout out PK. Shout out our boy. Shout out to the Wayne Simmons. 
The Scarborough Man Leafs. My boy Wayne Simmons, longtime buddy of mine. I give him a shout out as well too. Boy, yeah, man. Big up Wayne Simmons from Scarborough. Big up PK from Rexdale. All of the, the whole crowd, everybody. Set up the meet and greet with me and Wayne. I'll buy that boy a shot. Eighteen hundred <laughs> or Yo. Patron, whatever you want. Don Julio, whatever Wayne Simmons. Want. Come on, man. Set it up. Oh, Yo, you that is buy it up. Shots, eh? All right. I will buy all y'all shots, but he gonna get two shots because it's Wayne Simmons. That that's oh, my guy. He, you know. Yo, it's jokes. So, <laughs> boys, before I think up, I got to say thank you guys for doing the show. I appreciate y'all. So, let you guys plug in social. Plug in social media accounts. It's your time to plug all that content, guys. Darren, go first. Who want to start? Yeah, me. Uh, yeah, man. Follow me on Twitter, at Freetown30. You can chirp me from anything about music, music facts, hockey, uh, soccer. But don't talk shit about Chelsea because I might block you. Um, mm. Raptor, <laughs> anything like that. Um, yeah, I'm this fun-loving guy, and uh, follow us on on our socials to, at Toronto Third. Uh, that's Toronto, oh, and then three RD on Twitter. And uh, yeah, listen to the podcast. Big up to Sticks, our brother. He's not here, right here but we love him, and we big him up anyway. Shout out to Sticks. Yo, Davey next. You can follow. Yeah, you can follow me at Dave's Barnett. Uh, you can follow that on Twitter. You can follow that on Instagram as well. Um, I talk a lot of shit on Twitter. I do a lot of retweeting. Um, I'm a huge wrestling fan. So, like, yo, if you want to, like, literally talk shit about, like, how how Kenny Omega is the worst world heavyweight champion, like, yo, I will literally take that. I'll literally take that tweet bar none. Um, I'll also take bare tweets about how WWE is apparently a lot better than AEW. But uh, I'm, I'm taking that fight for another day. I also talk Raptors. I also talk Leafs. I talk... Um, I talk Scorpio things too. So, like, yo, come at me. Let's go. <laughs> stay, stay tuned. He's also going to be having brand new waves in like 30 days, 20 days. Yeah. It's going to be crispy. Oh my God. Change the heavy everything. He just chopped the hair down. You know, he just got yo, set up. Listen. Give it two weeks. It, it, it's, oh, is he gone? The hell? Yo. Oh, did it kick Avery yo. off? Yeah, like, it looked like it did. Yo, yo listen. It, he said his Twitter name was Dave, Dave's Burnett. Listen, the S is for is for seasick. Because that's what he's going to do. Get them waves. He's yes, going to get the waves. Hey, you, you got to do, do the wave reveal. You that's ever see those wave reveal wave videos? Reveal, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> got to get the wave God, reveal, God, bro. Oh, that's gonna be crispy. Stop this, man. Like, yo, I don't know where the, fact that, like, Avery, the fact that Avery literally dumped uh, literally jumped out of his own show and just dipped out for like a hot minute, like yo, that kind of just that kind of scares me a little bit still. No, nah, nah. but Reese, 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 shout out your, your socials, man. Oh yeah, um Reese Zoe 101, just because I believe in nostalgia. Shout out Jamie Lynn Spears, Zoe 101, Reese, Zoe 101. Uh I talk Leafs, Raptors. UFC, pop culture, politics, economics, you know, I'm just I'm a nerd of everything. I like everything. You'll see me tweeting back and forth with these dudes all the time, you know. I'm a Manchester United fan as well, you know. Top of the table, I think number two right now, back in Europe. Well what back in, you know, Champions League, you know what it is. So Yo, we students of the game. Yeah, that's all we are. We're students of the game still. Hey y'all. After Reese promoted his socials. Huge thanks to the guys for hopping on the podcast and hey. I didn't dip from my own show. My laptop battery died, so that's why you didn't hear me towards the end of the show. But it was still a blast having the guys on. Finally, we'll promote the social accounts for Jordan. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Sticks, spelled S-T-I-X-X. 
Anyways, that's it. That's all. Follow me on Twitter at Avery, at A-V-R-Y. And don't forget to subscribe to Avery Sports Show on Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts.